0: And it's the 7th Avenue Project. I'm Robert Polly. Well, we have some holiday cheer on order today with the comedian, actor, and author Amy Sedaris. You might know her from her work in the movies, from her role as Jerry Blank in the late lamented sitcom Strangers with Candy, which uh, featured her pals Paul Donello and Stephen Colbert, or maybe from her theatrical collaborations with her brother David Sedaris, or perhaps from her instructive books, the latest of which... We're going to be learning from today. That's ahead, so keep listening. All right, on to today's show with Amy Sedaris. I first interviewed Amy a couple of years ago when she had this to say to me. I like you. Ah, who am I fooling? She didn't mean me. She was just stating the title of her book, I Like You, Hospitality Under the Influence. It was a, shall we say, um, unconventional guide to home entertaining, parties, and general merriment. Well, now Amy has another DUI, I mean, a DIY handbook out. It's called Simple Times, Crafts for Poor People. And as in the previous book, she shares her highly personal approach to domestic arts, this time handicrafts. And she liked us enough to drop by and walk us through the book. So that's what we're going to do. And if you'd like to follow along at home, I hope you have your supplies, uh, some construction paper, some wire, some paints, maybe some sausages... And for sure, lots and lots of glue. So take a deep breath and keep your first aid kit handy as we get ready to craft with Amy Sedaris. So Amy, why don't we just dive right in into the book? And okay. I, I want you to just sort of explain a few things as we go through. Okay. I mean... It threw me almost from the get-go with this picture, just uh, the second page. Oh, yes,
1: the penny. Uh, yes, isn't that beautiful? Well, what is it? That <laughs> It's nothing. Actually, I found that in an antique store, and it was all pennies because we could have made it.
0: Well, can you describe it for it's our radio audience? It's a penny tower.
1: It's just a tree made out of pennies. Wouldn't you say? How would you describe Like a cone. Well, it's call really it a, heavy. a
0: penny pyramid, maybe.
1: Penny pyramid.
0: A mountain of pennies, all stacked neatly, and you say glued together, yeah?
1: Yeah, they were glued. You can see the glue, too. It's really thick.
0: And then a, an actual, like, branch of a cotton plant on its side behind the stack of pennies.
1: Because mm-hmm. cotton, poor people, I don't know. I was thinking, you know, those are two good poor things. You had Lincoln on the penny, cotton. <laughs> I was trying, I just read too much into stuff. No one's going to think that way. I think that's a really pretty picture.
0: <laughs> and then we get into, uh, you know, another page here. And um, we've got kind of an opening poem.
1: Yes. We have a lot. Uh, Paul Denella wrote all the poems in the book. I would call him up and say, I want a poem about tassels. I want a poem about, you know, grandma's hands. <laughs> and so, you know, he did a great job with that. And that's the first one. Is, uh, is it called Grandma's Hands? Is that what we ended up calling and it? It's
0: actually the name of the book. Simple <laughs> times. Simple yes. Times.
1: And then opposite that is a picture of just like old-timey things. Lace and a white wig, uh, cold cream. Yeah, really ugly crafts. Tea, skeins <laughs> 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 on that ugly brick wall. Uh, uh.
0: Is it is it possible, Amy, for you to just read a, a couple of the, the final lines of this poem?
1: Yes. This is how you have to read it. Simple times. Simple times of yonder floating through my yesteryear. The five and dime, an old church chime, simple times held dear, creaky wooden porch swings, Main Street marching bands, ice cream shops, thick mutton chops, and as always, Grandma's hands. (laughs) Awful.
0: Well, it gets even worse as we (laughs) with more descriptions of Grandma's hands toward the end.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. When being clutched by grandma's claw, I feel no need to convince her. The simple times conveyed in rhymes by her cold and bony pincer. <laughs> and then Justin Thoreau did an illustration of an old lady's hand with the ring. It's really loose and she's holding the cane.
0: This was really a team effort, this book.
1: Yes. um... I had, you know, craft club. I'd have a list of crafts I wanted them to make, you know, during our little meetings. And then some crafts, like I have a friend who lives in Hawaii, and I asked him to do all the coconut crafts. And then I have another friend who I asked her to knit some sausages for me, just so I wouldn't have so many people in my apartment. And I was like, I'm forget it. You know, and crafters sit around. They just want to talk about what they're doing, and nothing's more annoying. I'm like, just do it. I don't care about your seeds. I don't care about the glue you use. Just do it. And it's expensive, too, because it can take all day just to make crap that nobody wants.
0: You spent, like, can you guess at how many days, how many hours you and your team in your apartment creating all of these these things uh, that are in the book, all of these little, like, dioramas, all of these objects, all of these uh, monstrosities.
1: Um well, it's hard to say. I mean, it, over it took 2 years just to think about everything. But the production of the book, we started in January and I turned it in in maybe June. So it was very ambitious. Shooting in my apartment every day, making things as we were going going, you know. It was it was really an ambitious schedule, but we did it.
0: Let's go a little further into the book. Here's okay. Here's where we really start to get into the the, the purpose of the book, a, oh, a, right. a big introduction by you mm-hmm. and a, um, a photograph of you in um, a lovely checkered house dress.
1: Oh, gingham. It's my gingham blouse. We had a lot of costumes that, you know, when we were just crafting, you know, I would have different outfits in case my picture was being taken. And then Paul Donello made a typewriter out of um, a box of aluminum foil, three, and he stacked them differently and he painted them, and then he used some wine corks that my dad had sent me for Valentine's Day as the, you know, keys.
0: On the typewriter. Yeah,
1: it's a pretty good idea.
0: And you smiling, you know, in front of the typewriter in your gingham. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, behind the typewriter are a couple of knit, like, golf club yeah. covers.
1: The guy who made the coconut crafts, he knitted those. And I, Monday, Wednesdays, and Tuesdays. <laughs> I know it doesn't make any sense, but I just wanted that. You know, that's from Strangers with Candy. Jerry Blank would always say, Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesdays. So, yeah, little ponpons. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: Jerry Blank. Oh. <laughs> yep. And then
1: construction paper, you know, for the note, which is my favorite. I, I just love construction paper.
0: Well, this book is full of supplies like that. Construction paper, pop Popsicle sticks, yarn, cardboard, cardboard, crams, tape, paints, tacks. lots of tape, <laughs> <Yep>. uh, pipe <laughs> cleaners, uh, coat hangers, and um, a really essential ingredient in all of this, I think, in a lot of ways, and, and it's pictured. Um, Right here. On oh, the page. Glue, I'm holding
1: the, up. All the different glues we use. Lots yes. of glues
0: you use, And I'm thinking you didn't just stick things together with them, but you also breathed a lot of glue. Oh, maybe? yeah,
1: man. You got to. You got to. Yes. And when I took, you know, I spent my club money and I invested in a volcano, if you know what that is. Um, and so that helped the process uh, you're as have well. <laughs> to, you should explain what that is. <laughs> That's okay. For those of you who know, okay, <laughs> for those of you who don't, look it up. Um, but the, And then I had this idea that I was going to stencil everything, which is really difficult. Cult. It was these old timey stencils that Paul Danello had. They were metal. And that was a big pain in the ass, stenciling everything. It it took a lot of time.
0: Shall we give some props to Paul Danello? Uh your friend, uh co star of yours in Strangers with Candy. Yes. And uh co author of this book, is that right? Yes,
1: he wrote it with me and um and he cra- he made a few things in the book. Um and then I made him wear that short canary robe in the Making Love chapter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, don't give it away. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. <laughs> Paul played um an art teacher in Strangers with Candy. Yes, Mr. Jellyneck. Mr. Jellyneck, And I think Mr. Jellyneck would have loved this book.
1: Yes, oh, totally. He would have loved this book. <laughs> absolutely would have loved this book. <laughs> well, <let's laughs> Especially pr- the pictures of Paul.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's proceed a little bit further. Now we've got this, um, as I say, a lot of tableaus of the domestic scene here. All of these taken in your apartment?
1: All of them, except the Making Love chapter and the Exercise chapter. We shot that upstate at Paul's house.
0: Oh. Yep.
1: We need room. (laughs) That's a room. Those dark walls.
0: Tell me about this little picture. Well, Uh, that
1: was a hair, you know, those hair swatches that you can buy at hair salons if you were going to get your hair dyed. And I always thought, well, that would make a great lampshade. So we attached them to that lamp. And, oh, um, mm-hmm, That's what that is. So, so
0: we've got a lampshade with sort of tassels of hair hanging down. Tassels the-
1: of hair. Oh, I wish I said that. That sounds really pretty. Lots and of then hair. um And then behind that is a picture. of That was an Indian puzzle I bought at the flea market. Um, I, I thought that was really nice. It's from the 50s. I, uh,
0: yeah, I noticed uh, like any good crafts book from like the 50s, there's lots of insensitive stereotypes yes. in this one. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Including you on the back cover, actually. That's
1: what my father looks like. I look like my dad on the back of the book. That's That's what he looks like,
0: kind of and you're in this like wonderful sort of almost like kids indian outfit.
1: No, isn't it? All I just love costumes.
0: You say you look like your dad in this picture in on picture. the back cover. Um, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to ask one of you sideras's about your dad. Uh, <sighs> is is your brother David's imitation of your dad his impression that he does of your dad with a really high voice? What the
1: hell Russ, is this big he, he yells everything. All Greeks yell. He was, yes. He just visited me in New York, and um, I was in Letterman, and uh, he said, he goes, I thought you looked fat on Letterman. I'm like, okay, Dad. <laughs> well, I guess it was a camera, but you look fat. All right. Do, is there anything else I can get you while you're a guest in my home? <laughs> Your
0: imitation of him and David's imitation are really similar. Yeah. So they must be accurate.
1: Oh, yeah. What the <laughs> hell is going on here? Just, uh, baloney. <laughs> <laughs> but he's pretty cool. He really is. He doesn't stay mad. He doesn't hold grudges. He's he's actually a pretty cool person, you know. Y-
0: you said your dad said you looked fat on Letterman, and, and uh, in some of the stories that you guys <laughs> tell about him, he's he often emphasizes… Um,
1: it's always about weight. Weight, yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah, always. Weight. Looks like he gained a couple ounces there, sport. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he's fit and trim, and he spins four days a week. But it was just, Dad, I'm not fat. Please. No, no,
0: I can, I can attest to that. But, <laughs> um, you have to put on a fat suit in some of these for some of these photos. I'm. Thinking. I did
1: not. The people are amazed. They're like, oh, "That's not your body." I'm like, "Yeah, it is." I can just, I have a way with doing that. I can, if I want to be fat in a picture, somehow I can be fat. If I want to be, look thin, I can look thin. It's all mental. I know that doesn't make any sense, but I've just always been good at dressing up and looking like other people. That's kind of like my favorite thing to do in the world. Well,
0: Jerry Blank was pretty heftily padded.
1: Just from the waist down? From the waist down, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, she was
0: quite skinny from the waist up, which added to her. Strange appeal.
1: (laughs) I don't, I didn't, uh, I was going to do a fat, uh, fat legs and, oh, we never did it. I was going to make fatty legs for this book and I forgot we never, we never got to it.
0: Well, uh, moving along here, Mm -hmm. um, it it seemed to me that maybe glue is part of the influence you were under in this book. Maybe, maybe. Because it gets, it gets pretty weird as you go along. The
1: only chapter I wasn't under the influence for was Crafting for Jesus. Um, for some reason, I was completely fine for that and the angel. I was um, not in the in, under the influence of anything.
0: Crafting for Jesus. Yeah, I, I, uh, I want to turn to that section right. Where now. Where I look like I'm Jake at. Gyllenhaal. Well, oh, is that who you look like? Well, it it, it says crafting with G- for Jesus. Uh, the chapter does. There's a picture of you, um, kind of teary eyed in, um, well, Old Testament garb. Let's say with yes. with a lot of what looks like. Old human hair glued to your face?
1: Yes, I saved hair from my hairbrush for six months. And
0: you can see the glue in it as well as the...
1: It's toupee tape. <laughs> and then I filled it in with eye pencil. Very proud of myself. And then I got to walk around the house and that. Yeah, I loved, I loved that chapter. Um, I never went to Bible camp. I never made, you know, Bible crafts. So... Um, and I love them when I see them, and I, I love making them.
0: but you did go to Greek orthodox church i did so so religion was something in your life yeah
1: but we never made we never crafted anything, you know <laughs> I never got to make anything like you know your weird friends that went away for a summer. Coming back with God's eyes and stuff.
0: <laughs> well, who is this that you're portraying? This character, shepherd. He's just a just shepherd, a sh- but oh. he does look
1: like well, Melissa Etheridge slash Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: Okay, because I was thinking more along the lines of Jesus or Moses or something like yes,
1: that. Yes, well, he, yeah, but it was a shepherd costume, but I was acting like I was Jesus. He was a big crafter, Jesus. He was a big time carpenter, you know. Oh, that's true. He's the ultimate crafter.
0: Did the old church-going child that you used to be, was there any fear in doing this?
1: No, no fear. But I'll tell you, when we went to church, the whole service was in Greek, and we didn't speak <laughs> Greek. So I think that's where, there we were, sitting there listening, and, you know, the incense and the imagery was something I'll never forget. But uh, God knows what he was talking about.
0: Okay, because no I, I was going to ask, uh, is there crafting in hell? Cause, uh,
1: oh, I think there's crafting in hell. That's good, little Lots lady, because that's where you're going. after. Right? <laughs> really? I'm celebrating Jesus.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the clothespin uh, Jesus on the cross here.
1: Yes, I was in this woman's um, house, and I, she and I, her bathroom was upstairs, and I was in her bedroom, and I saw that hanging on the wall. So I was I asked someone to take a picture of it, and six months later, I sent her that picture and asked her if I could put it in the book. She's like, what the heck were you doing in my bedroom? Um, her son made it in Bible camp. Isn't that nice? It is. It's yeah. very
0: nice. Hey, what, what's this right here? That is
1: seed art. That's James Brown. There's this girl I met at the Minneapolis. She had some stuff at the Minneapolis State Fair, and she does seed art. So I called her up, asked her if she would do something. I said, do it, anything you want. I'm going to put it in the nature section, and she did James Brown.
0: Seed art. Now explain what seed art is.
1: You just do portraits using different kinds of seed and uh, bark, and and you glue it to a board.
0: Well, this James Brown uh, portrait in various kinds of seeds and grains is amazing. She's gone so far as to you know, depict his, his flowing hair yes. using b- these long black locust uh, pods. Yeah, those pods, which yeah. make
1: wonderful love instruments when you <laughs> rattle them when they're dry.
0: Wait, we're holding off on the love part. We're going to get there. Uh, no, I'm fine. We want people to keep listening here. So the sex is going to yeah, come she, later. Um,
1: that's pretty incredible.
0: Um, the title of the book is... Um, Simple Times, Crafts for Poor People. Mm-hmm. You think poverty's funny, huh?
1: It's hilarious, first <laughs> of all. Um, but the book was called Past Times. And then Paul Donnell and I were talking on the phone. I was explaining to him what I was wanted for this book. And I go, it's simple. And then he goes, simple times? We said at the same time. And we both laughed and thought, that's the name of the book, Simple Times. And Crass for Poor People was a title I had a couple of years ago when I first talked about doing the book. And then my editor said, oh, can we go back and use that? And I thought, oh, well, does it doesn't really fit. And then I thought, well, it kind of does. So I said, okay, sure, let's use it for a subtitle. Because everything was, you know, inexpensive. I mean, everything's pretty, and it it is for poor people, because they, they craft out a necessity, and there's a lot of stuff in here, you know.
0: They craft it. out a necessity. Yes,
1: you need it, so you make it.
0: You do have a chapter on um, the joy of poverty. The
1: joy of poverty. And it
0: has a really, yeah, socially sensitive photograph to open it up of you.
1: As it, a little bum, as, as, as a hobo. As a hobo, yeah,
0: falling over. And crying. But he's
1: happy. No, he's oh, happy. He's having oh, a fantastic time.
0: Okay. So so what's so good about poverty?
1: Well, I just like, you know, it's charming to me. Like, you know, if the, if the, the hardware is missing from a dresser and it's been replaced by rope, I just love that stuff. Or I'm drawn to things that are like naive looking or they're tattered or torn. You can see the scars on it. And usually it's from, you know, somebody poor had made it. Mm. Slingshot made from a turkey, you know, wishbone.
0: Talk talk about charming. Uh, this um, this belt made out of a plastic bag.
1: Yes, I have a friend who works in a kitchen, and she said whenever it got really hot, her pants would get too big for her. So the kitchen staff always used Saran wrap to, as a belt. You know, oh. I thought that was pretty neat. And you can also use Saran wrap as a um, condom. Mm, does it work? The condom, it sure does. You gotta take the sandwich out.
2: Uh, <laughs> oh, Amy. just for Goldfish. Oh, Amy.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Now, I have the feeling that this is one of your favorite chapters here.
1: Oh, the safety meeting, which means also if you are going to go out and get high, you know, North Carolina, it's like time for a safety meeting. It means let's go smoke it up. Um, yes, I wanted to do something about that just because it's funny. You know, the craft room's the most dangerous room in the house, really. You know, um, so that was a lot of fun because I love special effects makeup and everything. So I had a good time shooting that. This is
0: all about accidents that can happen while doing crafting.
1: Yep. You can step on tacks. You can lose a tooth by trying to open a glue bottle with your mouth. You can bring your face off trying to make a Chianti candle. Lots can go down.
0: Well, I, I see. You've got photographs of a lot of the things that can happen. Here's Paul Donello yep, having stapled his, his eyeball eye. <laughs> uh, with blood pouring out of his eye. Uh, is that him with a...
1: Uh, yes, the iron burn on his leg.
0: Iron burn. He's using an iron to do something. Well, he, you
1: know what he did for that? He made himself... He took some tin foil and he put some incense in it, and he lit it on fire, and he put that in the crotch of his pants because he pulled his pants down to try to get smoke coming up, and then... It got a little too close. And then he started, we were laughing so hard, and, and no one went to help him. He was on fire. But I was like, that's what you get for doing that.
0: <laughs> well, what we see as a final result here is um, Paul with a shirt. We don't really see much of him, just a kind of hairy leg with a scorch mark uh, <laughs> from an iron. I <laughs> yeah. he was doing some iron on patches or something. <laughs> right. And uh, the slip.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you put it on, you know, your pants, when you use your, 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 your leg for the board. Stupid.
0: And here's you with your face badly disfigured yeah, by that a burn. Great.
1: I kept that on all day.
0: How'd you do that now?
1: Um, that was from making a Chianti candle where you take, you know, the Chianti bottle and you put a candle in and you light it. It just blew up in my face.
0: It blew up?
1: Yeah, the candle just caught my face. <laughs> I just wanted a scab.
0: <laughs> what kind of kid were you?
1: Um. What kind of kid I was? <laughs> I, I was always in Girl Scouts, Junior Achievements. I always had clubs.
0: Oh, you were a good kid.
1: Mm, well, I just was always, you know, getting groups of people together to do things. And I still do that.
0: See, I wouldn't have thought you were a good kid. Really? I would have thought you were up to no good a lot of the time. Well,
1: you know. <laughs> Maybe it appeared that I was a good girl. <laughs> I got in trouble. Most of it was talking too much. Or, you know, I was I was punished a lot in school. I was still getting spanked in seventh grade. Uh spanked. from teachers. By
0: teachers. Yeah. Didn't they call it SWATs? No, they, they, it SWATs? they spanked me. They it was a wooden you.
1: board with holes holes drilled through it.
0: You know it? Me too. Oh really? Yeah. Seventh
1: grade though, come on. Yeah. <laughs> what were you getting spanked for? Why were you bad?
0: Uh you know, talking back to teachers oh. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to a kind of a backwards school and they still had yeah, the the teacher I talked back to was uh, a wood shop teacher. Of course, he had a custom-made board with holes in it that oh, he yeah, was very of proud of, you know. So I felt it sting several uh, times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that hurts. <laughs> Wood I didn't know they did
0: it to girls.
1: Yeah. For me. I don't in know North about Carolina. Other girls in North Carolina. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. when well, they weren't burning them as witches.
1: Yeah. <laughs> witches. That would have been a good chapter.
0: You don't have a witch chapter. I don't. Ugh.
1: I don't have a witch chapter.
0: But this one's pretty bewitching.
1: That one, I love that. That's about stretchy before and after. Yes.
0: And you're in your workout suit?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, my leotard. There you go.
0: (laughs) Your leotard and your. Paul's attic. And Um, I mean, these are, I can't really describe these for our audience, but you're doing a lot of real awkward looking stretches. You're pooching out your stomach quite a bit here. Am
1: I? Yeah, bloating. Yes, Yes. you're bloating. And the belt is made out of a hinge. It's a hinge belt.
0: Like a door hinge. Yes,
1: like a door hinge. Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, the color scheme.
1: Yes, pink and maroon. Pink and that was our kind of art. We wanted like, you know, opposite colors. You know, that was kind of our the, the running theme through simple times, you know, opposite colors.
0: You are not vain.
1: <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I should say to, 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 to some of our audience who maybe only know you from like Strangers with Candy. Right. You're actually rather chic and elegant. Isn't chic, it? chic. Oh, yeah. I mean, like what you're wearing right now.
1: Oh, yeah. So it's, the cov- it's the dress from the cover of the book.
0: So it is. It is, yes. And how would you describe it?
1: Oh, is it Harlequin? Is that what you yeah, call it? Yes, yeah. a Harlequin in all these different colors. I mean, again, the costume guy made it. It's am- I get so many compliments on this dress.
0: You have a, a costume guy?
1: Yes. Uh, that, I met him when I did the Dolly Parton video, and um, he did all the costumes.
0: Tell us about the Dolly Parton video for those who haven't um, seen it. I
1: went to Tennessee. It was on her Better Get to Live in video. And uh, we shot it in Tennessee in a big field, and I got to hear her say the words, "smoky sausages. She was walking by me, and I heard her say that. She was super nice. Uh, we really got along.
0: And what was your role in the video?
1: I was like a barker, a circus barker, oh. um, and I got to have a monkey in it.
0: And, and what's a smoky sausages refer to? She,
1: I know she, she was talking about smoky sausages. I just overheard the conversation.
0: It wasn't like uh, you know code word for something. It
1: might have been. Who knows? <laughs> I say it all the time, smoky sausages. But I have a sausage chapter in the book.
0: You do, and this again is why I, I, I thought it comes toward the end, and things get weirder toward the end. Do they? Well, okay. What are we looking at here?
1: That is a smokehouse. It's a log cabin made out of sausage links. The whole reason I did a sausage chapter was because I wanted to make a sausage wig, a wig out of sausage links, but I never made the wig, and so instead I just did the the log cabin.
0: And these sausages are really greasy.
1: Well, I poured hot grease over it right (laughs) at the last minute, and we made the roof out of cardboard. But the moon, the thing that's representing the moon was an old piece of salami, like plastic salami that I bought from the 50s. And when I bought it, I thought, this looks like a moon to me. And I pulled it out of my drawer, and I put it up there. Doesn't it look great?
0: Where do, where do you keep all this stuff? I mean, you've got an apartment in Manhattan. Is it big?
1: No. I actually have a spare room. I made it look like a baby's room, and then I turned it into the craft room, so it's kind of creepy. Um, but I have lots of drawers and cabinets that I put things away, file them away.
0: You know, if if I didn't know that, and I just read this book, and you told me that it was shot in your home, I would assume you have a mansion because no. there's so many different environments so many different moods, you know? Yeah, no. It's and and objects. I mean, thousands and thousands <laughs> of objects.
1: I know. But, but my house doesn't look cluttered. And most of the crafts in the book, I put them all in storage, and I got rid of all my craft supplies. Mm. Most of them. Mm. Just because I'm sick of crafts now. It was, just, it was too much.
0: But folks listening to us might think that this is all a big joke, but you like crafts? Do you really? I do. You do. I,
1: I like the kind of crafts that I was making when I was five. You know, 10, 12. I still make that, th- things like that. I mean, what sort not, of things? Um, like th- th- the stuff like the, the marshmallow, uh, star, you know, where you insert, you know, toothpicks into the marshmallow, um, Girl Scout type crafts and yeah. tissue flowers yeah. and anything with googly eyes and popsicle sticks. <laughs> but I can't, I can't knit. I can't sew. I don't crochet. I can't do things like that. But I, but I like those things, mm. you know. But so I, I just, you know, s- went to people who can do those things for me. Me making some sausages, you know, just ask for anything and poof, you can have it. Especially if they're gay. You get it in two days. Flawless. Perfect. Chinese lesbians and gay people. My God. Unbelievable crafters. (laughs) Unbelievable. And just professional. But my favorite thing in the book, I have to say, Megan Whitmarsh did all the embroidery. And I decided for this book, I wanted you know everything to be a craft. And she did all the titles and um, she did the alphabet for me and page numbers, and I'm just crazy about her stuff.
0: Well, you know, if we haven't made it clear already, it is a lavish book. It is a beautiful book, um, overflowing with imagery it's of a pot, various It's kinds. a
1: pothead dream, and it's, it's just to trigger, <laughs> it's to spark ideas, and it's just to, you know, inspire. That's really what it's about.
0: Well, it's full of information as well. Um, for instance, you just mentioned people who are really good crafters, and Here's some statistics. Um, You say more than 8 out of 10 households have at least 4 out of 5 family members engaging in 2 out of 3 crafts 78% of the time. A staggering 98% of this group are homosexual men.
1: (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Statistics. (laughs) Just make it up. Just make it up. (laughs) <laughs> I love this rainbow. Um, In the back, I made this cotton ball rain cloud where you cut out, you take some gray construction paper, and you cut it out like shape of a cloud, and then you um, glue cotton balls on top, and then you paint the cotton balls gray, and then you um, tape string behind the piece and make little raindrops. Mm. I love that. Mm. I love that picture. I actually made that for I Like You, and it didn't make it and I Like You, so I gave it a full page in this book.
0: You, you know what I don't see in here that I saw a lot of in – I like you. Your previous book, Hospitality Under the Influence. Um, I don't see a lot of squirrels.
1: Oh, there's some squirrels in here. I made a squirrel bird, a little uh, squirrel bird feeder. Where you take two uh, jar lids and you put a um, traditional uh, donut between the lids, and you string it up and you hang it outside. Is is that good for squirrels? I don't know. I just want to make (laughs) it. I just bought a little taxidermy chipmunk though to go next to my squirrel.
0: Oh, and here is a taxidermized squirrel here. Oh yeah,
1: see there he is,
0: crouching, winks. In this uh, outdoor scene, actually um, indoors, but sort of outdoors. You in your Indian costume mm-hmm. with a kind of, is it a bow and, Is it supposed to be a bow and arrow?
1: It is, using a paintbrush.
0: And a stuffed squirrel. And a stuffed squirrel. And a fake campfire.
1: And a fa- yeah, made out of tissue fire. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> toilet paper tubes and tissue paper.
0: And you reminded me, last time um, we talked, um, I had a little surprise for you. Let, let's relive the moment.
1: Okay. Oh, you just, oh, wow, is that a squirrel? Wow, you did a fantastic. Did you make that? I did. Did you make it? I
0: really, did you really? Really, really.
1: Oh my oh already. Well, I'm gonna eat some of it. Can I? You may. Wow. now what'd you think? How about the recipe? have you ever made these before?
0: Never made them before.
1: Wow, that's pretty hard.
0: These are these are Greek powdered butter cookies.
1: Yes, and he, um in the shape of a uh squirrel. In the which shape. Which is of the, the state animal of uh, North Carolina. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm hmm.
0: Seriously, mm-hmm. you're not just saying that? Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. mmm, Perfect. Well, that's a good job. Excellent cookie. I'll never forget it. I was nuts about it. Why do you, what do you have for me now?
0: I, I have something else this time around. A friend of mine heard I was doing this interview, and she said, well, Amy will definitely know what to do with this.
1: Oh, dryer lint.
0: You recognize it? Oh, that's it? fantastic. A big jar of dryer yes. lint. Yes.
1: Oh, perfect. You know, that's good for, um. if you put that in your backyard, birds will use it to build their nest. It's really good for Does that. Does that
0: qualify as a craft?
1: Um... I don't know if you just throw it in your backyard. Maybe you could make something to, uh, you know, maybe if you put it in some kind of mesh sack or something and they could just put their beaks through the holes and that could be crafty. Or you could make a dial and stuff it, you know, some fabric and make stuffed toys. Or if you were... Or throw it out. (laughs) Look, I saved all the fur from my collie. It's like I don't want to do anything with dog hair.
0: I was thinking you could use it in your Bible chapter, uh, maybe to make beards for the twelve disciples or something.
1: That's a vintage, that's a good idea. I, that's a great idea, Dryerland. Well, Why on, not on
0: your next book? Yeah, give me a call. <laughs> I've got a lot of ideas here. <laughs> and you're listening to Amy Sedaris on the Seventh Avenue Project Radio Show, right here on KUSP. I'm Robert Polly. And uh, I might as well mention that this interview with Amy Sedaris was recorded a couple of weeks ago, well before she went on the Colbert Report last week, bringing with her a large quantity of dryer lint for her crafting demonstration. Coincidence? Perhaps. Or maybe evidence of the 7th Avenue Project's powerful influence on American culture. And uh, let's return now to comedian Amy Sedaris discussing her new book, Simple Times, Crafts for Poor People. <laughs> um, so let's. Uh, we've been putting it off for a little while, but uh, let's get to the uh, climactic chapter, shall we say, mm.
1: of oh, the making love.
0: Making love. Mm-hmm. So first of all, what's the relationship between uh, making love and, and crafting?
1: Well, I just thought that making love and crafting, were like you could make um, toys, craft some toys, and the bedroom is you're supposed to seduce, right? So I just thought it might be an opportunity to do some fun little um, crafts for that, and also people who like to. I don't know how I can say this with being clean. Beautify the pleasure patch. So there's some different styles that you can do there.
0: I can't imagine what you mean.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> watch and learn. <laughs> um, and really the whole reason I wanted to do the chapter in the first place was I just wanted to make a short canary robe, canary yellow robes. Terry cloth. Terry cloth. I love yeah. those robes. They're yeah, really so let's,
0: let's describe this chapter uh, okay. um, to the extent that uh, decency allows. Um. this is you and Paul Danello. Yes. Who are not lovers in real life.
1: No. <laughs> we were at once. We dated for eight years. Oh, you did? A long time ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. So you guys knew what to do. Yeah, we knew what You'd to do. You'd worked everything out.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look how unhappy I look in all these pictures. <laughs> he really makes me laugh in this chapter. His facial expressions are fantastic. And his hair.
0: Well, um, I'm going to say that there isn't anything... Uh, too graphic in here. I mean, the positions, yes, they're very suggestive, but you remain fully attired in your terry yeah. cloth robe.
1: And I've got pantyhose
0: on. So, folks, there was no real, uh, what's the polite word for radio? Well, you call it fornicrafting.
1: Fornicrafting. There's no <laughs> fornicrafting going on. The only thing that's a little are the illustrations Justin did, which are perfect. I was describing to him what I wanted, and he just nailed it.
0: This this, this um, whole sequence of photographs um, really have a 70s feel in a way.
1: Yeah, I think that's because of Paul's paneling. That's why he wanted to do it upstate.
0: Ah. And we
1: did the duty ditch upstate, too, how to dig a hole outside if you have to go to the bathroom. So we shot that at his place as well. That,
0: that's very crafty. <laughs> so I, that. I was going to say, that didn't look like Manhattan to me.
1: <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> 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 yes, that was a fun chapter. My favorite chapter is... Um, Handicraftable, which is um, crafting uh, for people with disabilities. Like if you um, can't see very well, chronic back pain, ADD, things like, you know, things like that. And I thought of, oh, what's a good craft for somebody, you know, with that?
0: Have you run into any, like, you know, people who really are into this culture of crafting, who go to craft stores, who make this stuff out of doilies and popsicle sticks (laughs) and pipe cleaners and stuff, who don't get this book or who are confused by it?
1: um yes they're they're some the crafting community they've embraced me you have know they? what i mean they get it but there are a few oh they who just think this is crap don't waste your money you know it's crude that she's making fun of us and those people probably aren't you know they don't have any friends anyway you know what i mean i'm <laughs> not kidding you know what i mean we know those people but real crafters they can poke fun at themselves and they get it and you know they get it
0: did you um You know, in in, in putting together this book, you've duplicated a kind of feeling and look, I think, uh, really right out of the the 50s and 60s, sort of early 60s maybe, when this was really the the mainstay of a lot of domestic magazines. And this is what a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they still do, but it really sounds like kind of a throwback back it
1: almost feels like a little seventies and I didn't mean to make oh, it 70s look that too, way yeah. but I just I'm drawn I like those colors you know what I mean avocados and goldenrod and yeah. you know the dark brown so um and, and I had to order some stuff like um, th- this old Denison crepe paper that you can't buy anymore I had to get that off eBay which was expensive and um, which also reminds me I about the rusty nails for the rusty nail wind chime for the bipolar person I had to get those nails off eBay because you can't rust nails anymore you know you have is it galvanized is that how you say it yeah 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 I couldn't I couldn't rust a nail for anything so uh, there have been plenty of freaks on eBay that are more than happy to sell you a sack full of rusty nails
0: so yeah you just made The uh, the Rusty Nail Wind Chime. Uh, This is a wind chime made by dangling, you know, by hanging rusty nails. And and you say about this is in your uh, subsection on bipolar disorder. You have Mm -hmm. a lot of disabilities and, uh, uh, you know, um, mental illness stuff here. And um, it says, um, instructions. On an emotional downswing, toss a fistful of nails into your backyard. At a later date, during a manic phase, search the yard for what are now rusty nails. Once collected, string them together to make a wind chime.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's funny when I was telling Paul Danello about that. He goes, why would you throw them in the backyard? I go, oh, yeah, I I guess you don't have to. I guess you can put them in a bucket. But I just like the idea of tossing them, you know, in the backyard. Anyone can do that. Mm. If you're depressed, you can still throw a fistful of nails in the backyard.
0: That's a good day.
1: (laughs) That's a good day. (laughs) Feeling good today. (laughs) Oh, I feel
0: really rotten making fun of depression. That's Uh, not
1: making fun. It's celebrating.
0: Celebrating depression, yeah. Yeah. That's better.
1: And then on the opposite page, I have potato chips, and that's good for people with crippling long fingernails. Um, where it's easy to pick mu- you know um mushrooms out of a jar cuz your nails are so long. Um
0: You know the cripplingly long fingernail community doesn't get a lot of um sympathy these days, so I'm glad you brought that up. Oh yeah,
1: there're lots of crafts you could make rock candy with long nails. Well, because now that I'm sick of crafting, um I did a couple demonstrations where I taped fake fingernails onto my fingers and um it's really funny. It's really fun to work with, you know, fake nails and try to do anything. Really makes you laugh. <laughs>
0: And then you have the, a picture here. This is the uh, chapter on shut-ins, shut-ins. crafts for yes. shut-ins. You have a character here who um, crops up a couple times in this book. Yes, do you I have a the, name um, for her?
1: Um, Which it changes. It's cobbler, it's piglet, um, Tula. Um, <laughs> David and I would put her in all our plays. We'd use her as a tool to, you know, for energy. And um, I've always been able to tape my nose up since I was like three. And I have really good skin. For, you have to have good skin to be able to get away with that. And so I can. I still do that. It feels good.
0: Yeah, she. This character uh, Piglet, a Piglet or Tula, she has her, her nose is like up at an angle that uh, I haven't seen since Lon Chaney played uh, <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Oh
1: yeah, right. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it feels good.
0: <laughs> and uh, she's got a little like bonnet on. Mm-hmm. Yes, little and, uh, gingham
1: bonnets. I made. Um, I had someone make the everyone who worked on the book got a gingham bonnet and a shawl. And a little shawl,
0: and kind of chip monkey cheeks.
1: Mm-hmm. She's a little shut in.
0: She's a little shut in. Yeah,
1: she can't leave the house.
0: She's she's kind of cute, but you say you and and your brother use her for
1: yeah. When we would we do plays together, David would write them, and we we've done like eight of them, and she we would always put her in all the plays, and um, as a little we use her as a tool. Does, know, she, does she would, have a voice? It's foul. Yeah, it's everything. Every word out of her mouth is dirty.
0: Can you give us an example? You, you
1: can't probably air it.
0: We can bleep it.
1: Hey, Turn around, get and them, come on, for free. For I got bills. You take and sack of and stick it up your things like that. Wow! But she's just energy and just wired and.
0: She looks so cute and harmless. I oh, had no, no idea. Oh she isn't.
1: She's filthy. But everyone knows someone like that, right?
0: <laughs> wow, Tula. I mean, I had not had the joy of seeing any of you, any of the plays that you and and your brother David have. Put oh, on. they were
1: great. they were really fun. When, when was the last creative. one you did? About eight years ago, the Book of Liz. Mm. It was a really good play. I love doing that.
0: We were talking about poverty. Were you ever um, poor during your early days before you hit it big uh, as a performer?
1: Um, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely.
0: What was like the lowest moment?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. You know, you can... I I still had parents I could call if I needed to. You know what I mean? Or brothers and sisters. You know, I could always get money. So I really don't know what it's like to be... Not have that. You know, when you really don't have anyone you can call. Um, So... You know, you could play poor, but
0: were you were you trying to be an actress at that point, or a I was going to Second City in oh, yeah? Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, and so you were doing studying improv at that point. In your right,
1: life. that's where I met Stephen Colbert and Paul Dinello.
0: And you became part of the Second City troupe at that at mm-hmm. some point.
1: Yep, we toured for two years, and resident was a resident and advisor.
0: And then you three made strangers with candy. Mm-hmm. Exit
1: 57 and then Strangers with Candy.
0: Oh, you know, I've never seen Exit 57.
1: Endless scenes. Sketch show. Endless sketches. I'd
0: love to see it. Really long. Um, Stephen Colbert is in the credits here just as having contributed one item. Yes, what, what it was. was
1: it? He gave me a, um, in South Carolina. If you break s- your dishes or something like that, you would take it to the water and you throw it because it would be too embarrassed. You don't. You would never want a broken piece of china in your in your house. So he said people would dump it in the ocean, and then um, it would get washed up on shore. And if you found a piece of pottery, you could turn it into a pin. And so he made that f- made that
0: for me. He's from South Carolina. You're from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. What did you guys do when you broke dishes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> saved them, kept them, mosaics, yay! From North Carolina, my little brother made me a roach clip using a crab claw. <laughs> and that's really, that's useful.
0: I noticed at the very end, um, on the flyleaf here where it describes you, it says, um, Amy Sedaris and her co-author Paul Donello both live together in New York separately. This is the third book they have written jointly from different locations. They have collaborated for over 20 years in theater, film, and television. According to them, this will be their last project together.
1: <laughs> we say that every time. Oh, Some you It's last time.
0: So yeah. you don't really mean it?
1: No. We'll always work together.
0: Well, uh, I don't really mean it when I say this is our last interview, because oh! I hope it's not.
1: <laughs> I hope not you. You're fantastic.
0: Oh, I'm blushing. That was Amy Sedaris. Her new book is Simple Times, Crafts for Poor People. This is the 7th Avenue Project. I'm Robert Polly. Okay, we have a little time left in our show today, and the interview we just heard with Amy Sedaris reminded me of another one I did years ago with the filmmaker John Waters. He, too, is a very handy guy into all sorts of crafts, especially at this time of year. I've been looking over various websites and, and uh, other sources of information related to you. And, and you find
2: so much wrong information, but go ahead.
0: True, but the one impression I get that's probably correct is that you are doing a million things at once. I mean, you're on the lecture circuit, you're performing, who knows whether you're dreaming of a new movie. You're oh,
2: I've already thought that up. You've already thought that up. Yeah, but I haven't, I'm pitching it next week, but I'm afraid someone will say yes. I always joke I'm a Swiss person trapped in an American's body. I can <laughs> compartmentalize very, very well. Um, I have an art career, too, and um, I do that in a completely different building. I go to my studio to do that. I think up my movie ideas in one room. I write in another room. Um, I'm I'm very, um, as long as I'm by myself, I can work in my office. Um, you know, I have three assistants that work here, and basically, I start at 8 in the morning and they get here at 10. Between 8 and 10 is when I think up everything. The rest of the day is spent trying to sell it.
0: Well, this is, leads to my question, though. How on earth do you find the time for your Christmas obsession, which, as I understand it, includes making handmade ornaments, buying hundreds of Christmas presents? Not, well, hundreds
2: of Christmas I just sent out today 1,700 personally signed Christmas cards. Um, we have somebody that comes over, a, an ex-assistant, who handles the mailing and takes that job on. But certainly I have to do the lists. I have, to, I have a huge party that I give the day I come home from this Christmas tour. That ought to be nice. And then... Two days later, I, it's my turn, I have three brothers and sisters, it's my turn to cook the entire Christmas dinner for the family.
0: Do you sleep, John?
2: I sleep very well every night, at least seven hours. Mm-hmm. I read a lot, too. I get 150 magazines a month, and I read a couple books a week. But all that is because I'm single. If you're with someone, you have to spend time with them, rightfully so. If you have children, you have to spend quality time. I have chosen not to really have those things.
0: So The Bachelor Life, that's what you're recommending?
2: Yes, I, I sort of am. Or or dividing up what you think this one person that you're supposed to be looking for is, which in most cases there is no such person. So dividing it up, where one is romance, one you sleep with, one is sex, and one is, um, if they're younger, like you know, anything you want, a son or a daughter, that kind of thing. You divide it up into four or five different people, and then you have that one person.
0: Your uh, 1981 memoir, Shock Value, was just re-released this year in a new edition, and uh, that takes me back to your early days. Yep. When did you realize you were different from other children?
2: Oh, when I was in kindergarten. Um, my parents told me, I don't remember this, but they told me I would always come home and talk about this weird kid that was in my class who basically only drew with black crayons and told stories. And then they, I kept talking about the show, and then they realized suddenly that it was me. Wow which I don't know what that means psychologically. I guess I was inventing my character right there. So I never, I always knew because I was never interested in what the other boys were interested in. But that didn't bother me. That wasn't especially traumatic because um, I, I was obsessed early. And that's the only reason I'm not in prison, really, is because I always had a show business outlet for these kind of obsessions. I was a Puppeteer for children's birthday parties was a fairly good career for a nine year old. I mean, I sometimes had two or three shows a week for, I believe, at the peak $25 a show. That was really a lot in the 50s. You
0: know, you were obsessed, as you say, early, and among the obsessions were car crashes. And one of the most interesting to me that I've learned about recently was failing report cards.
2: No, I used to be, I was obsessed with that. The reason why is because my friend Laura who I loved, and she was my greatest friend, and she showed me her report card once at the end of the year, and every single mark and every subject, every quarter of the year, she failed. So it was, like, it was like an art piece. It was like you just couldn't imagine someone actually got this report card. So I would steal report cards, and I'm telling you, that's hard to do in school. Cool. Steal blank report cards. And imagine other bad girls and fill out the report cards and all apps so I could
0: look at it. And, and you were also, um, you were a big fan of the villains in movies. Um, you're the only kid I've ever heard of who really liked The Wicked Witch and, and didn't like Dorothy.
2: But I think most everybody loves the Wicked Witch. She's one of the most popular villains and all. And I, I never met her, but I did get a signed photograph. And she signs all her everything WWW, w, w, Margaret Hamilton, like <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West. And, isn't that great? The best monogram to have on your towels and stuff.
0: But you rooted for her.
2: I did root for her because who wants to go in that smelly farm when she had gay lions and winged <laughs> monkeys and that beautiful castle and a beautiful come to Gonzalez dress? <laughs> and, uh,. Ma- you know, magic shoes And I-, I just didn't understand Why everybody didn't want to live with
0: her oh, Well, this is interesting I mean, car crashes, failing report cards The Wicked Witch It's like, from the very beginning You were the polar opposite Of everything we're supposed to be
2: But I was joyous, though
0: Yeah, and that's what struck me About your uh, reading your memoirs That it seemed like there was no real self-doubt You knew who you were You knew who you wanted to be Even as a little kid there was- was self-
2: you you can't say that there wasn't pain in growing up like that. You know, I mean, you got hassled in school, or something, but not really, because the people that would beat me up, I secretly made friends with them, and and they were put off by me, but they thought I was insane, so they didn't, and they knew I hated authority even more than the, than they did, so they didn't try to beat me up really, but they would have easily. <laughs> uh, I I just kind of, they knew I was their fan in a weird way. I mean, there was this one girl in school that was, you know, I've based 30 movie characters on that, and she was about 19 in eighth grade. She had failed so many times, and she would always date the, the people that ran the sideshow rides at the state fair, and she wore white lipstick, and she would always beat up the girls that were like the homecoming princesses and stuff, and I never talked to her, but she knew I was her fan, and... And so I watched her every day, and she knew I watched her. And, and, and I didn't tell her to do it or anything, but, but she knew that I was her public, her, her only public, really. And uh, she would smile sometimes. And, and, and I used to like to think that I had invented her, even though she was a real person.
0: Did you ever have moments of weakness, though, where you, you tried to be good, where you tried to fit in, where you tried to swear off the, uh, you know, the dark side?
2: Um, did I try to fit in? No, my parents wanted me to. Though My parents were like mortified, right? So um, that causes a certain bit of uh, tension at the home. Um, but, I, I, you know, I don't know. I just I never fit in, and I didn't want to. I was mad that I had to play sports. I was mad that, you know, my father would try to be nice and take his son to the football game, and I would fantasize the bleachers collapsing. Um, I, I always was a little bit of a ghoul.
0: I'm talking to filmmaker, writer, storyteller John Waters. Now, John, um, the press has always had a great time giving you nicknames and titles. Um, right. Sultan of Sleaze, Prince of Puke, King of Bad Taste, and uh, a great one from William Burroughs, uh, Pope of Trash.
2: Yes, I had the Anal Ambassador recently. I, <laughs> <like>. I forget <laughs> who said that, but that was one. There was another one recently I heard, too. But I don't need, after the Pope of Trash, oh, you can't top that one, so.
0: You know, I found one um, from an old uh, review in the Village Voice, Den Mother of the Bazaar, and I really like that one because it's the only one that speaks to a kind of warmth and, and fondness that's in all of your movies, I think.
2: Right, cause the- <laughs> so warm these days. Uh, you know, I should be embarrassed that I'm called the Pope of anything
0: Yeah, the Pope sounds like you're dictating trash whereas Yeah,
2: exactly, punishing others for liking it <laughs> Exactly um,
0: Whereas there's this, um, the thing about your movies I mean, people who only hear about them think um, scary, dark, destructive But there's an undertone amidst all the bad behavior of of real sort of, well, dare I say love
2: well yeah, I only make movies about people I love. I look up to the bad taste that I that I use as a subject matter. I I think that I generally really care about the odd normal people that think they're very functional when I think they're completely insane. That's what I'm drawn to. Not arty eccentric people or not people that try too hard to be weird. I like the people that think they're completely normal, and yet, to me, seem incredibly bizarre.
0: So so those people did seem bizarre to you? It wasn't that you thought, oh, these are my people, These are this is what normal should be.
2: I don't know what normal is. I mean, to me, um, my people, if you ask me who is my core audience, would always be minorities that don't get along within their own minority. That is my people.
0: So in your case, for instance, in the 70s, um,
2: well I made you know I look like a hippie and I was in the hippie culture, but I certainly made movies at the height of peace and love that glorified violence and punk mayhem, even though there wasn 't such a word as that i 'm um, gayly incorrect uh, you know i 'm hardly waving a rainbow flag to me um, i you know I think gay is not enough it 's a good start um, i I think that um, I, I like I like minorities that are worried about this new set of rules within within their own minority. And sometimes gay culture seems to have more rules than my parents had.
0: You know, um, you were you were years ahead of punk. When it came along, did you say Oh yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing.
2: Well I I you know, that's when I started listening to new music again and I remember Divine saying, um, what was her name? I loved her Jordan, the girl that hung around with a Sex Pistols, who look so great. And Divine said, I feel like plain Jane when I look at her. Uh, So, certainly, the punk rock movement did speak to me. And I still listen to punk rock on the radio. I listen to the Fungus Network on the radio satellite station. And um, I feel more at home in a punk bar than I do in a gay bar, to be honest. Um, Not all gay bars, but but, um, the punk world is, to me, um, more of uh, my speed in a way. And certainly. Most of my gay friends hang out in mixed bars and punk bars. I'm against separatism. I guess that's what I'm against. In all worlds, and all sexualities, and all races, I don't think all of anything is a good idea. I think it's defeat.
0: Did uh, did punks embrace you in the same way? Yes.
2: Right from the beginning, they did... uh, the, the image of Divine with that mohawk from Female Trouble was on the first punk clothes sold in Vivian Westwood's sex shop. Without the title of the movie, they didn't even know who we were, but just that image with Divine and that eye makeup and stuff was very much appropriate in the very beginning in the punk movement.
0: I know this is going to put you in a position of sounding egotistical, and I don't want to do that, John, so uh, it's my no, fault.
2: I, but... I try to be a, a <laughs> very humble here.
0: But, but do you <laughs> see your influence in, um, in in popular culture today?
2: I think I've made trash a little bit more respectable. I certainly think that um, even if you don't like me, you probably know you know about my work. Um, people tell me on the street, I feel like Oprah, people come up to me all the time and say, thank you, and you know, now parents bring me their rebellious children to try to help them. Um, you know, it's funny to me, because when I was young, parents called the police. Um, parents were the ones who hated me the most. So so it's now odd. I mean, I went to the opening of Whisper uh, yeah. the Musical at the Kennedy Center recently, and, um, you know, all the Bush administration were there and everything, and they introduced me, and I stood up, and everyone gave me the standing ovation, and one of the producers whispered in my ear, if they knew you, they'd give you the death penalty. <laughs> Which sort of made me laugh, and it's true. I mean... During the Republican convention last year, um, George Bush Sr. and Barbara went to see Hairspray, and they were doing the twist outside the theater with drag queens. Yeah, I don't know what to do when that happens. You're, you're so co-opted, you're just speechless. That,
0: yeah, it must be really weird, because you really did want to offend in the old days. You wanted to... No,
2: I didn't. I, I think you're wrong there. I think I wanted to surprise. Uh-huh. And um, it's easy to offend. It's much harder to surprise.
0: You sort of wanted to to offend those hippies, the
2: peace and love Well, hippies. I wanted to give hippies, they thought that they had seen everything and, and that there was nothing, you know, that when, when Pink Flamingos came out, was the year Deep Throat came out, so it was the year pornography became legal. It was really a time of cultural anarchy. So I tried to think, what could we show in a movie in, in a history of exploitation, in a comic way, that isn't illegal yet, but should be? And um, now the ending of Pink Flamingos actually is illegal. It wasn't then.
0: Is it sort of a bitter pill, though, for a a former provocateur to to be embraced as a kind of father figure? No, no, I'm not not (laughs) bitter in any way. I call myself a
2: filth elder. I'm I'm happy to be one.
0: (laughs) A Um, filth elder. No,
2: I I think my career has been understood um, pretty much from the beginning, and um, I have no bitterness at all. What would I have? bitterness about I can go to work in my underpants. All I have to do is walk in the next room and think of something weird.
0: <laughs> Filmmaker John Waters. And this has been the 7th Avenue Project, our second-to-last show of 2010. We'll be back next week, and we'll be back next year. I'm Robert Polly, signing off. And do check us out on the web at Avenue thavenueprojectcom